Hey, Warners, this is your warning that the following episode of Women Your Mother Warned You About went a bit rogue from the beginning. You know, one of those episodes where we started the show before we started the show, you know, we were recording and then things happened. So put on your big girl panties and buckle up for the ride with Rachel Pitts, Keith Walters and yours truly, Gina Tremarco. Hey, Warners, welcome to another episode of The Women Your Mother Warns You About. This is a rogue episode, so let's just get that out there right now. Who's back with us? Keith Walters. What? Oh, my. Hello, ladies. Hello, Keith Walters. I actually saw Keith in person a couple of weeks ago in Dallas. I know. Did he take you to dinner? We went to dinner. Where'd he take you? I don't know. Where'd you take her? Some nice restaurant. The food wasn't as important as the conversation. Plus, we, I'm in we, prep, so like I have to eat all like plain. It was great eating. It was great eating with Rachel. You know, she, we get the plates, and so she pops her scale out, you know, and um, starts weighing all the all the portions. Did she it was weigh great. the? Did she weigh the food? Yeah, yes. she weighed the food. I'm in prep. I weigh I've everything. never seen you weigh the food with me. Because I probably wasn't in prep. Oh, okay. Or I had already pre-weighed the food. There we go. Oh. oh. I'm just talking about when, like, we were in Thompson, like the the one of the five Mexican restaurants in Thompson, Georgia. I wasn't really in prep yet. I was just oh. eating whatever. All right. Anyway, <laughs> I'll show you serious. my scale. I'll show you my scale. The scale is impressive. Hmm. Ooh, look at those Ooh, guns. Ooh, look at the guns. Getting there. Yeah. Look at the guns. So speaking of um, coaching, we were talking about coaching right before we got onto this podcast <sighs> with Keith. And so now I have, uh, I just actually got a new coach. So it's like a testament to people that think that, you know, they're concerned of whether they should hire a coach or not. Well, I've got- How many coaches I've do got you have? a nutrition coach- and I've got, I just, because I wanted to have the best experience possible, there's actually a group, a training group who specializes in the training for my, this particular division of bodybuilding, which is bikini that I'm in right now. So I hired a new trainer. So she's changed up all of this, all of my programming, which is all this crazy new stuff. And I'm excited about that. And then I have my, um, even though I am now, certified as a level three mental management coach i still maintain my mental management coach with heather so wait a second are we talking about coaching today i well i just brought that up <laughs> we could coaching's a great coaching, topic coaching's hot on my mind as the director of coaching programs at sales gravy the company that sponsors this podcast now um and someone is up my you know what you're what we don't know what what is what? <laughs> somebody is are up. you getting are you getting overcoached gina no i'm not being overcoached but now i have to report to someone you know something i wasn't used to and her her overlord <laughs> needs more coaching contracts I, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he would like the word overlord i don't, I don't think know he would. that's what he is though yeah, he is the overlord he's like the kingpin of yeah. sales gravy. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Jeb Blunt and mm-hmm. we adore him. But yes, we um, do. He signs my paycheck. Yeah. Well, let's so let's about getting enough coaching, Gina. What's the what's the coaching issue there? Do we really want to we we're it it's all good. <laughs> 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 
Don't open it up. If I am just expanding there. the program and building it into something bigger, badder, and better. That's all. Good for you. That's Wait. all. So if you need a coach, give me a call. There you go. Actually, I was selling you today, Rachel. Thank you. I think I have a potential client for you, coaching client. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, and I have figured out in the last, you know, I've had some clarity in the last little bit about trying to be too many things. And <laughs> what I found is that I am really great at coaching people at, at the things that I specialize in. I'm really great coaching at dance dancers. I'm really great coaching people in fitness. I'm really great coaching people in real estate to focus on their goals. So they can be better salespeople. And so it's been interesting for me to have that kind of enlightenment, which Gina like knew the whole time. It's mm. so annoying. Somebody called it. So what for, for Rachel, for you, all the coaches that you use, what's, what is the value that you get from them? Is it, is it someone who's accountability? Is it someone who forces change, you know, um, what, what aspect of it is it that you find the most valuable? A hundred percent accountability. I have ever since I hired my first coach, which was Gina, I have done very well having a coach on whatever level that I'm trying to improve my life in or whatever, you know, whichever area of my life I'm trying to improve my life that is. Because I like having accountability to somebody that I do what I say I'm going to do. And especially, probably the hardest part about my bodybuilding journey right now is the nutrition part is really hard. Um, and it takes, it, it, it causes me to pull out my scale and weigh my fish at dinner because I know I need to get it right. And the reason that I need to get the nutrition right is because these people know what they're doing. They breed champion horses, really. <laughs> so I just, if I follow what they say and do what they say, then my nutrition and, and my, um, my prep is going to go well because they've done it over and over and they have a great system and it's hard. And so it takes accountability and I have a weekly check-in with my coach. She checks, I, I track everything I eat all day. I take my weight every single day, my sleep patterns, um, my water intake, my sodium intake, and they track all of that. And if I'm not within one to two grams of what I'm supposed to be, then I get a little lashing. And then I get back on track. Um, in terms of my new performance coach, my fitness coach, I mean, I know what I'm doing in the gym, but even when you know what you're doing in a situation, it's good to have outside eyes to force you to do things that you kind of don't want to do. So like all of my programming is different now, um, totally different exercises that I actually was kind of afraid to even try. Now here I am doing them and I've got somebody to guide me and also to push me where I need push. Because as much as I'm very consistent and I can push myself, I kind of will get into a habit and I think that's one thing that a coach is really great is to make sure that you're not developing habits that are going to cause you to plateau and not get anywhere. Because everybody, if you're getting a coach in sales or if you're getting a coach in fitness or whatever, you don't just want to stay where you're at. You want to improve in the areas where you need improvement, right? Yeah, well, why would you get a coach if you don't want to improve? Exactly. 
What's the point of that? Just to say you have a coach. Yeah. It's interesting that there's, and especially in fitness, coaching people in fitness, they will want to, they will want to change. And then when the real work comes, sometimes they don't actually really want to change because if they did, then they would change the behavior. That's, that's one thing that I've really definitely have experienced through the process, right? Like I've coached you through getting personal trainer clients. And I've, I've been through that process with you of what it's like in the mindset to get them to decide to do it and to spend mm -hmm. the money. And, and now that I'm going through that from just dealing with sales professionals, and I've really identified who our ideal clients are at Sales Gravy, which are high-performing high performing salespeople who want to take it to the next level. And so it's been an interesting to look at that you have to be so hungry and high performing that you're already doing the things, but you want to go to the next level. The people who are way at the bottom of like, I wish where hope is their strategy. And that's their only strategy is hope. They're not most ideal because we, you have to pull them along with you mm -hmm. and it's painful and they're not always going to do the work. Mm -hmm. They'll spend the money because they're looking for a silver bullet. And I'm trying to learn how to get through the, we're not your silver bullet. Yeah, there's no magic. There's just figuring out what is the best, most efficient process to get towards the goal. Yeah, it's almost like I don't want a client that's in pain per se. I want them in a place of, I'm doing good. I want to do better. Mm. Mm -hmm. It seems like your best clients would be lifelong learners. Yeah. And do you get pushback on selling coaching? Um, I already know what I'm doing. I don't need a coach. Do you get that much? Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not even going after them. I mean, I, I guess yeah. I could be going after them, but that would be a cold calling, I think. Yeah. And I'm yeah. not going after the cold, the cold call lead. I'm going after, you know, Jeb and I had this conversation the other day. I've been kind of pushing on this every time I teach one of our public courses, like a two-hour workshop, always, every single time, I get a follow-up text. Now, I purposely give them my cell phone. Hey, if you got questions, text me. Um, run your homework by me via text, because I tell them, I'm really bad right now at email. I can't keep up with email. If you want to get me fast, text me, and I give them all my phone number. And I got three text messages within five minutes of my course ending saying, can I talk to you about coaching? Excellent. Those are my best clients, potential clients, because they're, they're raising their hand going, I want this. Now, the ones that I go after that maybe they came in as an inbound lead, the conversion rate is way lower than the conversion rate on someone who's actually been in a course with me. And that was, mm. those are the analytics this week. Yep. Those are learners. And Jeb's like, what well, are you, what do you, they know you. Jeb, well, Jeb's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just mentioning that I coach. I'm not selling it. I just say, when I was coaching one of my clients on this thing, this is what happened. And that's all I do. I just talk about results and I don't sell it. And yet it sells itself. And that's, that's, that's exactly why I engaged the training coach that I engage because I have been working with my nutrition coaches for a while and I'm seeing, hey, this, 
these there's like some consistent patterns here of the people that are working with bare aesthetics for nutrition that they're going over here and getting you know they're working with the partner partner trainers at performance um progressive performance too and i'm seeing them coming out placing well so it's like the obvious thing when you see hey Gina's really an awesome trainer and she's personable and funny and all these things, then obviously they're going to go, Hey, I do want this. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you don't even have to sell it. It's just results, results sell. <laughs> That's just it. Results sell. I'm curious, Keith, because you do a lot of executive coaching, don't you? Or I do. Had uh, I work with executives. I, uh, my, my approach and style is more mentoring than coaching though. I do fall into coaching on a regular basis. So how do your clients come to you? Like, how do you end up with those clients? Uh, they, they're personal relationships, usually extensions of relationships, word of mouth. Yeah. Through Everybody professional hears, networks. They hear that Keith's the bomb and they just come <laughs> running. And they're all learners. Mm. They're dedicated in learning. And, and, and in order to work with me, before I sign on a client, a client has to demonstrate their learner. And it's usually through some required reading. Side note, I've read almost all the books that you've mentioned. I read the Netflix No Rules Rules. I read, I think there was something else you recommended. I'm super duper into the John Wooden on leadership. Wooden on yeah, leadership. Yeah, Wooden on leadership. Great book. It's what is it, so what is it good. called? It's called Wooden on Leadership. And he was the coach of the U. Um, UCLA basketball team that won like 10 championships. And what's so fascinating, I mean, here's, here's why I am thinking that I'm going to try to stop swearing as oh, much as possible. Yeah. She texted me today this, that she's going to start swearing, which will make Trisha at sales gravy very happy. Well, his point that coach wouldn't makes is he would not allow his, his players to swear. And his reasoning was this is that, most of the time when we swear, it's because we're frustrated and angry, which I would agree because the F-bombs fall mm -hmm. faster and yeah. more frequently when I'm annoyed or hangry. Especially when points, you're hangry. Yeah, it's, it's bad. Ugly. It's ugly. Well, it's also ugly to speak that way. And sometimes, you know, you just, fuck is just what you need to say. But sometimes I overuse it. And the, his point is that you're not showing up as the very, very best version of yourself if you're using that type of language. And he's very big on, he never really talked about winning, even so they won a lot. He was very much about the process and 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 forming the team and the the pyramid of success that he's developed, which is fantastic, and teamwork and positivity and and doing your very very best each and every moment. And he just points out that like swearing and and dirty language, foul language, just it's not the, his players being at their best. And I was like, darn it. He's right. I'm not being at my best when I'm swearing like a sailor because I'm not. Sometimes I just like it. it just feels Sometimes good. I just like it. That is true. <laughs> Sometimes just you fucking need to say fuck. But like in general, like yeah. because he's right that I am most of the time angry or hangry when my language is the most foul. 
Either that or I'm backstage, backstage at Legends in Concert when I'm being hilarious. But <laughs> the, the other, the other nice aspect of holding back on that is then when you do, it makes impact. True. If if you if you are if you want to demonstrate anger, then you can bring that tool out to demonstrate anger. Right. You can use it purposefully. Otherwise, it becomes something like a uh, like you know like uh, like you know, just, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, just mm-hmm. meaningless words. Yeah. So it's, great. It, it's, it, it's great. And this whole book, you know, is the, if book, you read, is the book coach Wooten's pyramid of success. The book is called wooden on leadership. It's not an audible. Ah, uh, it's an older book. You okay. have to get the real book. I have to like yeah. read, have, like read. Yeah. yeah I would have, have to, to read it. it. Yes. With it, your yeah, eyes. You actually have to do that. I would yeah. have to read with my eyes. With your yeah, right. or you could have your boyfriend read it aloud to you. He would do that, which is so fun. He would do, he would do that for me. <laughs> Sounds like he'll do anything for he'll you. He'll do anything for me. <laughs> you know, Rachel. One of the things you mentioned was about he does talk about winning, but not about the importance of winning. Right. You know, one of the best things he talks about is that winning is a byproduct. Yes. Of excellence, of operational excellence, of doing the things that need to be done, and. You know, that just goes into the business world of profit is a byproduct. You know, mm-hmm. it's a, those are exhausts of doing your best, not the goal. He right. never has winning as the goal. What is what does he have as the goal? Be the very best you can okay. be. Excellent. Every time. I like that. Always give your best and do it with character. Mm hmm. You know, I think one of the great stories in the book is is he's recruiting a top recruit. The recruit comes out to California. The recruit and his mom comes out to California. And John, uh, Coach Wooden is showing them around. And the recruit's mother asks Coach Wooden a question. And the recruit turns to his mother and says something about, hush, mom, you know, that's kind of a silly question. It was at that moment that this very top basketball player, Coach Wooden, decided he is not going to be on the team. Yeah, I actually it, read that part last night, and he was the 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 recruit was more harsh to his mom. He told yeah. her to shut up and just let the coach talk. Right. So and that that ended his recruiting right there. Yep. He's like, <laughs> nope, not going to be a part of our team. And I think that's such a, it's so huge in in the culture of an organization that if you've got somebody who is not a good fit and they're negative and they're not, they don't have their eyes on the same prize as the rest of the team. It's really detrimental to the entire team. I've watched it. I have somebody close to me who's got an organization and there was this individual that just was a cancer. And I pointed it out a few times, like this person is, is draw bringing everyone down also not doing their job and they're getting paid a fortune. So like, why is this individual still around? Lo and behold, they're gone finally. And they should have been gone a long time ago, a long time ago. And they're talking and they shouldn't have been there in the first place and they shouldn't have been there in the first place. And those cancerous individuals, for lack of a better term, they, they know when they're there and they are, they know their power. Yes. Yeah, their power. But but again, it's yeah, a, you, but it's a you, leadership you, issue too. Who brought them in? Right, Keith. 
Right. Who brought them in? And more importantly, who didn't who didn't show them the door? Because hiring mistakes happen all the time. Sure. The the mistakes are in not firing. Yeah. And not firing soon enough and feeling bad about people's feelings. And we just had a podcast with Kenyatta Gordon and she she said there's no there's no room for feelings in business. It has to be business and you can have feelings, but you can't have feelings like, oh, I don't want to hurt this person's feelings when they're a cancer to the organization. And or, or even if, you know, you mentioned you mentioned another great book, which is Reed Hastings No Rules Rules, which is the story behind the Netflix culture. And throughout that book, he references Patty McCord as somebody who was fantastic, who got let go when the position outgrew her. You know, she helped build Netflix and then she got let go because the position outgrew her. So it's, it's not just the jerk, but you know, one of the things in that book that was fascinating was it referenced an experiment in, in a university in Australia where they, they created these teams of four people and on each team of four person, unknowing to the rest of the team members, they seated one person on the team with an actor and the actor was either kind of an ass or they were disengaged, you know, sitting back or whatever, or, or, or some other negative behavior. And the teams were put together for an hour. And what they noticed in the teams with the bad actors, the act the 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 the, the folks that elevate to the highest, they all ele- they descended to the lowest. All the team's behavior descended to the lowest denominator. So this idea of we'll hire somebody good and that'll bring everybody else up, it actually works the other way. Everybody gets pulled down to the lowest level, whoever the lowest denominator on the team. And now a word from our fabulous sponsor, Jeb Blunt at Sales Gravy. Hi, this is Jeb Blunt. There's a reason why thousands of sales professionals and top companies across the globe honed their sales skills at SalesGrave University. You see, SalesGrave University is different than most learning platforms. First, we have live courses taught in a virtual classroom by our master trainers that start almost every single day. And our e-learning platform is populated with hundreds of hours of sales training content produced by some of the top sales trainers in the world including Gina's spontaneous selling course, which is worth checking out. Now I've got some good news. If you've never taken a course on SalesGrave University, if you're a new user, you can take your very first course for free. That's any course on the platform, absolutely free. Just go to learn.salesgravy.com. That's learn.salesgravy.com or click the e-learning tab in the top menu at salesgravy.com pick out your course, and when you check out, use coupon code FREECOURSE to get that course for free. That is free course to get your very first course for free. Speaking of Sales Gravy University, go check out salesgravy.university and see some of the courses that I'm teaching. Just scroll through the university and click on them and you will find me and sign up. I'd love to have you there. Yeah, I'm kind of dealing with that in some things in my life right now. So you're seeing that in some of your work, huh? I am seeing some interesting things. And this book is really helpful to me because it's showing me that kind of thing that if everybody is not pulling towards elevating the team in general, 
it doesn't it doesn't work everybody has to be on the same trajectory of where where the team in general is going and you know you've got the employees who just phone it in and they're there to like work their hours and do their things but if, at least if they're still you know on the team heading towards the goal actively rather than deterring the team from getting there. You know, I, I had to have a, I don't, I wouldn't call it a difficult or crucial conversation, but kind of maybe, maybe I will call it that. Something happened today that sent me into a tizzy. Uh Uh-oh. Which I had to, I'm like, all right, I got to go to Jeb with this because a ball got dropped on some things. And I texted him very briefly because I know brief is good with him in text. And then he asked me to email him in detail. So I emailed him in detail what happened. And I started it. Did I do it? No, you're clear on this one. And I, I, I started it with, we dropped the ball as a team. That's how I started the email is we dropped the ball as a team on this and I will take accountability for pieces of this. But part of it was some things needed to be a little more streamlined and everyone's to blame, right? Like Mm. everyone plays a part in it. And I didn't want to have to send the email because I don't want anyone to feel like they're being thrown under the bus, but you have to step back and ask yourself, where did I go wrong in this process? And take accountability for my part in it. And and ultimately what happened is coming to him and, and sharing it because I was extremely frustrated. And even my text said, I said, I'm so angry. I'm trying to get emotional control right now. So I'm not calling you until I have emotional control. So, I'm so glad it's not me. <laughs> no, it was just, you know, there, it was it was just something in the, the process that had to be better um, right. to be who we are. And... You, you, we're all leaders in some capacity, no matter what your role is in, a, in an organization. You're, you're still a leader and you have to have some level of accountability and responsibility. And then go to the leader above you and say, some of these things have to change. Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing that I got out of the no rules rules that, that Keith suggested is that it is important in an organization for people who are not the top, like the top leader, let's call it like the top, top corporate leader, whomever that, that everyone should feel comfortable to bring issues that they've noticed to the table. Like what you're just talking about, Gina, that it's really great that Jeb has created this type of culture that, uh, that you can come to him no matter where you are in the organization and say, Hey, this I noticed, and this is my suggestion. And he loves that. And good organizations, as they've demonstrated in Netflix, have that type of thing going on that just because you're an entry level salesperson doesn't mean that you can't notice something really important that right. could be an asset to the entire organization. Right. And, a, and a good leader is going to be open to hearing that from that person who is brand new or doesn't have a lot of experience. It goes back to yes and and improv of yes anding someone and being open to what they have to say and letting them speak their mind. 
And one of the things that's great about Netflix is they actually train on that. They, you know, they have, they're, they call it constructive candor and everybody gets oh, yeah. trained on how to do the candor because it has to be done. And, you know, their, their phrases has to be done with love. Um, it can't be, you know, Keith, you suck. It's got to be, <sighs> it's got to be, a, you know, constructive. Here's, and that's hard yeah. in itself too. And that's why the because training if you're frustrated. Is, that's why the training is so good because it teaches how to do it. I don't know if you're familiar with there's a, there's a there's a woman by the name of Kim Scott. And she wrote a book called Radical Candor, and they follow yes. that that kind of yeah, process. Yeah, I have that book mm-hmm. as well. Um, and and you know if you don't read it, she has a great you know just look at her the images around it and online because it talks about the different kind of so-called candor or feedback, and you know some of it is pretty dysfunctional but done right it's it's about it's not about it's not personal it's about how do you make things better right and i'm (laughs) this is interesting that you bring that up because that is exactly where i'm at right now with a scenario that i'm dealing with is there's things that need to be said and i am trying to figure out the the best way that's going to be constructive and not just hurt people's feelings and that they, you know, feel like they're being attacked and that it's, it's kind of a, a, it's a skill. Well, <laughs> like okay. making sure your emotions are not in there. Well, keep in mind, here's, here's the other half to that, Rachel. You, we don't want people to feel attacked, but people who feel attacked, chances are they always feel attacked. And so yes. then that becomes a whole other issue in itself that no matter Good how point. you, no matter how much candor and how much love you give, they're they're gonna feel attacked. And there's mm. at what point do you do? You, how long do you hold back because yeah. you're worried about someone's emotions? True. I mean, what do you think, Keith? Yeah, I don't think you can worry about someone's emotions. I think you have to frame it properly, and that's not necessarily saying that you have to. You don't soft sell it. Uh, how is it good for them? You know, to circle it back to coaching. It's interesting when you when you hire a coach, you are opening yourself up purposely to candor. That's that's the whole point of it. Is oh, I want somebody to be candid with me, and I think there are people who are, who are challenged with other people being candid with them, mm-hmm. and also part of it is there, you know. Uh, guilty as charged, I'll charge myself. There are times when, you know, I don't deliver the message in in the best manner. You know, the candor may be a little bit too um, emotionally charged. No, not not too candid, but too emotionally charged. Yeah, that's why I keep hesitating. With, I mean, I'm just in the middle of doing what I got to do, and now I'm I'm we're both very familiar with what you're going through on that. And so my permission, permission to coach, permission to coach you. Let's have some coaching. Let's have some live coaching. Um, I think part of your reluctance or hesitation or thoughtfulness, which is not a bad thing. How do I put this? You can be candid. You're, you're, you're (laughs) overthinking it. Because you're fearful of something, and I'm not quite sure what you're fearful of, but but you are overthinking this with them. Whereas I don't know about Keith, but I outside looking in, I'm like, effing, just pull the trigger already, like. Yeah. But something is holding you back. It's a fear of something. I don't know what the fear is. Yeah, 
I mean, I'm sort of, I'm not really fearful of any outcomes because I'm 100% confident about the direction right. that we're going. Then why, why aren't you pulling the trigger faster? Well, I'm right now I'm in the day-to-day -day of what I'm doing and I, the process is moving itself forward with or without the conversation. The but, conversation but, but needs to be there because, yes, okay. because they need to understand. Right now they think that, they they think, I, actually I don't really know what they think. They just are completely clueless and I have to like lay out the facts of what they're missing because they're missing the big picture. But you've, you've tried laying out the facts several times from what I can observe. And so I, re yeah. I relate this back to, and Keith's going to have more experience with this, of managing the wrong team. Mm. And when I'm managing the wrong team, I can, I can lay out the facts and lead them to water and give them everything. And they're still going to mess it up. And I'm still going to be aggravated. And I'm still going to try to like make it work. And I know that they're not going to be there forever, but I keep them there. I don't know, as a way of self abuse. I don't know. Cause I'm fearful of letting them go for some reason. Mm. Because you've been going through this for weeks. There's yeah. a protection element there. It is, it is the old adage of, you know, a, a, a tiger doesn't change his stripes. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and this is where I get sideways in organizations with HR, uh, you know, work the person through the change, work the person mm -hmm. through the change, mm -hmm. work the person through the change. I think one of the first books we ever talked about was a book by Marcus Buckingham called First Break All the Rules. It led to Strengths Finders, if you're familiar mm -hmm. with that. But the breaking the rules, his biggest rule to break is you don't spend time with underperformers. Every moment of time you spend with an underperformer is a moment of time you don't spend with an achiever. 80-20 rule. And if you're working with an underperformer, you're trying to get them up to 100%. Mm -hmm. If you're working with the achiever, you're moving them from 100% to 200%. That same amount of time. Why spend any time with with underachievers? Now, there are some exceptions like, oh, this person just needs education. Mm -hmm. They have the talent, you know. And, and I think you'll remember the, the quote from the Wooden book. It's like um, Coach Wooden said, I'll take a person with talent over experience every day. Mm -hmm. um, it's that hesitancy, the hesitancy to pull the trigger. And I, I would say the longer, the longer it lasts, the harder it is. Yeah. And the sooner you act, the more relief you will feel. Roger that. It's like having an infection and you keep putting a band-aid on it when you really need to go to the ER, have it cleaned out, stitched up and antibiotics. And right now you're just putting Neosporin on it. And there, there's a tendency to avoid. And for me, I had to learn how, okay, I want to avoid this. I want to avoid this. I want to avoid this. And, and how do I, okay, I can't avoid it because it doesn't just impact me. Mm -hmm. It has a larger impact oh, God, yeah. on everybody else. Yes. That is definitely That's what's the, happening here too. And yeah. then people lose faith in you because they're standing there going, why is she not doing something about this? Yeah. So it goes to that. It goes to the, to the 
the, the question or point of, are you in a leadership role? Are you doing the best for all the stakeholders? And the other stakeholders are your clients, mm -hmm. your students, your all the other stakeholders. So, yes, leadership is an interesting thing to uh, experience. It's painful. <laughs> it's it is uh, painful, and you have to make decisions. I, there, I, actually, I wrote an article early on in the pandemic about leadership, and you know, leadership isn't just getting people to follow you and motivating and moving them forward. Leadership is about making painful decisions. And, and I use the analogy because you know, I learned a lot about leadership from my father and my father fought in world war II. He was, you know, older and leadership at the toughest level, you can go into the military and that is making a decision to send men to their deaths. Mm. This is easy compared to that. No kidding. It's yeah. You're not sending so anybody. Leadership, to leadership is leadership is no. tough. Yeah. Yeah. And people people love leadership until it gets tough. <laughs> yeah, and I don't. I I actually don't mind the the. I, I'm not. I'm not really worried about it because either way that it works out, any way that it works out, it's going to work out. I'm just trying to, I'm really trying to temper myself because Gina can attest to the fact that sometimes I come across a little bit harsh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to temper that so that when the conversation happens and it's actually happening tomorrow, that it, it comes from a place of, it does come from a place of, I want to help you and this is how things are going to be because of this and this and this. Yeah. I, I, I hear, I hear what you're saying. And again, I'm going to, I'm going to, and I know that you're working on this tomorrow. Um, here's what I've witnessed is that I know, Keith knows, you know, we all know how Rachel works and what Rachel wants, Rachel gets because Rachel works hard and it is going to work out to how you want it to be. But along the way, you've had to have the grief and the pain with it. And it's prolonged. So imagine yeah. oh, if, if ridiculous. you, right. If you've eliminate, if you would eliminate that pain, how much more amazing you would be more mm. so than you already are. So what happens is it became, it becomes a suck. It drains you. You're exhausted from it. You talk about it. You get down about it. You get frustrated with it. What is that's a lot of wasted, a lot of wasted energy. Wasted energy. Mm. Yeah, and, and also, you know, something you just said, Rachel, that I'll I'll challenge you just a little bit on is, um, and you know, I like to do that. So, uh, <laughs> welcome is, back, Keith. You said you there are two things in the conversation. One is how to point this person in the right direction, mm -hmm. and and the second was. How things are going to be. How things are going to be. You need to change those two things. Mm -hmm. The first thing is how things are going to be. Mm -hmm. The second less priority thing is how, you, how you're going to direct that person. Because I would ask you, in relationship to the business that you run, once that person is gone, the pushing that person in a specific direction has nothing to do with the business now. True. And it has to do maybe with your relationship, you know, in the businesses that I run, 
if we're going to let somebody go, everybody who is in a supervisory role who hires has to be able to fire. And before you can fire anybody, you've got to fire me. And it's one of the things, the, the techniques and firing people kind of comes with a job. And, and if I'm going to fire somebody or somebody in my organization that is going to fire somebody, it's a simple conversation. It is, um, um, you know, Keith, uh, you know, we bring you into the room with somebody else to witness. And it's like, you know, this is, this is tough, but we have decided to end our employment arrangement. And our conversation here is going to be about logistics. So that person then asks why. And my response is, we're not here to talk about why. We have decided to terminate the employment relationship, and we're here to talk about how we're going to handle that. Mm. So you don't even tell them why? It's pointless. There's no reason. My role is to move my people along, my, that company, and that person is, has been decided is not part of it. Mm. So now there's it a secondary... Matter. There's a secondary reason. Every reason I say why open is creates a legal opening. Yep. Mm, wow. Yeah. So, that's, and that's a whole so other one of my Pandora's one box. of my jobs is to protect the company and the other employees in the company. So, it has to be for a valid reason. Don't get me wrong. It has to be for a valid reason. But we don't have to share the reason. In certain states, you might have to. In most states. You don't just like that person can quit and they don't have to share the reasons they quit. South Carolina is a right to work state. So yeah, those, there are those things. Yeah. But it's, it's the same, you know, taking it back is I would just, you know, to reprioritize first Mm -hmm. priority is operationally what needs to happen. Second priority then is how do you want to work with that person to help them in some way? Gotcha. And and in our in my example, by the way, we work with those people. We follow Netflix's deal of adequate performance will earn you a very generous severance package. <laughs> yeah, and and that's you know that's kind of part of where I'm at as well. Is you know if I've got a scenario that's holding the entire organization back from being at its best, then decisions have to be made. And then then there's a variety of other things that you have to take into consideration. Are these employees? Are these independent contractors? Or there's a whole other slew of things that you have to look at, mm-hmm. especially yeah, from a legality standpoint. Yeah. But your number one, your number one priority hopefully is toward the organization that you're trying to build. Hundred percent, and you and need all those people there, and you need full energy to do that. Yes, with less yeah. distractions. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we started out talking about coaching, and we and you got into getting coaching. And I'm all about it. I I I love to have different perspectives, and I think that's one aspect that makes someone very coachable, and is to go, oh, okay, I didn't see it that way, you know. So that, and that's one thing that a coach really does is says, Hey, have you looked at it this way? Because I'm seeing Mm -hmm. this about what you're doing and saying, and then they can give you a different perspective and not everybody is open to being coachable. Um, I I think I, that one reason I probably have had so many coaches is because I'm pretty coachable. 
<laughs> a, a very. I've got a question for you guys because I'm I'm working on a little project and I would like your feedback on this. Oh. When it comes to hiring a coach, what do you think a person should look for in hiring of a coach? If you had to come up with a top ten list of reasons why to hire a coach or what to look for, um knowledge of the subject that I'm trying to improve upon, credibility in that subject matter, and how do I feel like my personality meshes with that person? I think that's important. And, you know, what is the communication style and is that communication style work for me? Yeah, I like those. I think, and based on my style, I'm going to ask, what have you read? What what books? Because one of the things is I want a coach to be constantly learning themselves. They need to be a constant learner, not just relying on something that happened in the past. Mm. And, I, and I'd also ask them about the mistakes. What mistakes have they made in the area that they are coaching in? Not in necessarily in coaching other people but just in general, what mistakes have they made? Mm. And, and I say that because I think, at least for me, coaches learn, the best coaches have, are, have learned from mistakes. And, and the other thing is, is that, you know, people oftentimes look for experience and I think experience is critical, but I, I think the best coaches aren't necessarily the best players. And that's a, you can see that in sports really easily because natural players oftentimes don't know how to break down the play into the steps necessary. It just comes to them naturally. So, so a natural player may not be a great coach, Mm -hmm. a journeyman player, a journeyman player is probably going to be a better coach. That's kind of the, the, the sports analogy. Mm Mm-hmm. I but the, the coaches have to have success, but they may not be the very top of success in, in whatever they're doing. The struggles are important for a coach. I like that. I like that a lot because it's a struggle that I had recently and I haven't lost the client, but he did convey in the first meeting that he wanted to work with a coach that had very specific experience in a very specific vertical and I said it's not me and I'm sure that we have someone with close to that experience the reality is though what that person was looking for was help with prospecting and building his pipeline so that's what we're good at not necessarily that vertical per se and he was a pretty new, he was new to sales. And so it was part of his insecurity. It's like he wanted someone to hold his hand and say, this is exactly how you're going to sell this product. Well, now as I talk about it, I wanted, I should have said, well, there's someone in your organization that can tell you how to sell your product. Mm-hmm. That's that's not my ballywick. That's not my forte. My forte is like, how do you go out and have a conversation with someone? But he was so hung up on that, and he wants to talk again in two months, so we haven't lost it. But he was like, I'll be really honest with you, I really wanted someone who had that exact experience. <laughs> well, that, yeah, so they're not open to expanding their viewpoint. 
they're they're not opening they're not open so to what is true diversity of thought you know they're they're looking for an echo chamber of what they already know or or what is in this very narrow mm. no radical differences yeah interesting, interesting. <laughs> any other any other <laughs> things people should look for um we've got subject knowledge credibility personality compatibility communication style um being constant learners what have they read lately what mistakes have they made um having learned from mistakes um not necessarily about experience but being more of a natural coach than a natural player i would also think that like i um, if I'm looking for a coach in a specific area, I want them to, um, I'm searching for the right words clearly for them to be able to kind of inspire me to do the work. So there's a certain, so like I need somebody who has opposite, some, some opposite qualities of what I have, like. I tend to be a squirrel chaser, so I need a coach who is going to keep me on track. Ah. So, you know, sometimes we, that's a danger in, in certain partnerships where if people are too similar, right? We were a little worried about Gina and I being too similar. <laughs> with, we just have to keep a little distance and we're fine. But like, I wouldn't want to hire a coach that is as wide open as me because I need someone that's going to keep me a little calmer, be a little more analytical because I don't tend to be that, you know, and also be able to keep someone like me on the right track. So like the, the, I'm a handful. The, the yin to your yang. <laughs> right. That's a great, yeah. And, and an accountability, you know, someone who is, uh, Rachel mentioned this before, you know, it's someone who will hold you accountable and some coaches check in and check out and, and, and are only there in the moment. Others are there when you need them. And I think that's, that's key. Can they be there when you need them? Mm. Mm -hmm. And I stress that all the time. I'm like, I will be the person that when you text me at 10 o'clock on a Friday night that you're freaking out, I'm going to respond to you and make mm -hmm. time for you. Am I going to give you a full hour? No, that's your one-on-one -on -one time. But I'm going to be responsive to what your needs are and either give you a tool, a suggestion, or a pep talk, or a kick in the butt. Mm -hmm. These are good. Thank you for helping me write this blog. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's what today's podcast There's always a reason. There's always a reason. <laughs> Super so Keith, helpful. tell wow. us tell us where what you've been up to since yeah. we haven't had you on the show for months and months. You've been like hiking Machu Picchu. So just give us like a little highlight highlight reel. Yeah. No special highlights. I've just been super busy working with my clients, advising them, helping them scale, having some great successes. Yeah. So do you have a big just... like do you have a big highlight success you want to share with us that you can share? No, I uh, one of one of my clients sold, and so that Ooh. was that was really good. Um, that was probably the biggest success from a client perspective. Um, 
one of my clients is going through a little self-inflicted pain right now. Mm-hmm. So it's that's a, a big project, but um, takes a lot of time. Is her name but... Rachel? <laughs> I'm not no. in pain right now. No, no, I'm, I'm just I'm sorting through the I'm, wreckage. <laughs> Go ahead. Go on. Doing that. How's your social okay. life been? <laughs> My social life is always wonderful. What what did like adventures and have you been what have you been where have you you know i have have not done any adventures oh uh did a little bit of whitewater rafting and fishing um down a remote gorge in colorado back a few months ago and i have been spending a lot of time on the bicycle because i've got a seven stage ride seven day seven stage ride coming up next week Ooh, where so. where's that it is in beautiful iowa oh Iowa is very beautiful this time. Is it, it is. flat? <laughs> it's it's actually a little bit more hilly than you would expect. Okay. But it's it's a classic ride, not a race. It's just a classic ride. It's a ride across Iowa. So. Are you doing that by yourself? Or are you doing that with anybody? That is a huge ride. It is so big. There's a lottery to get into it. And I can't remember how many thousands of people wow. ride it. Interesting. Together. That so sounds like a, a bunch of organized rides. People that like torture. Is that kind of? It is. And it's also been quoted as a rolling party. A rolling party. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. If you can consider biking 90 miles a day and then all these other for seven days and all these other things, a uh-huh. party. But there's, it goes, they route it through a bunch of little towns in different routes every year in Iowa mm-hmm. and all the little towns. It is the big deal. And everybody turns out. List. Yeah. I'm not. Nope. <laughs> Bike riding for 90 miles a day through Iowa, not included you in things I want to do. Don't knock it till you see it. I would, that is not something I'm interested in. All right. And it's good to know. Okay. How's your son doing? My son is doing well. He's actually living at home right now. Yeah. And now I have somebody cooking dinner for me every night. I've never experienced that before. Mm-hmm. No one's ever cooked for you on a regular basis? No. Really? Other, uh, since, I left, since I left home, you know, my mom. So. Huh. No, I'm more of, I love to cook. So I usually am the one cooking. I know. So, but, okay. My son loves to cook, so now he's the one cooking. Hmm, fantastic. Men who cook. Hashtag men who cook. I think men who cook are very sexy. I got a man who cooks. Thank God. He's amazing. I got a man who cooks. And I don't have to cook. I'm happy to clean, but Me I'm too. not that good at cooking. I'll I clean. will cook you the most boring plain chicken breast and some frozen peas <laughs> that ever mm-hmm. there was. I made a wicked shepherd's pie this week. Ah. <sighs> And we digress. We totally do. So how should we wrap up this episode? It's rogue. There's no real way. It's, it's, we're done, I guess. Any, any parting. (laughs) That's the lame way to wrap it up. This this must have been the cleanest episode, rogue episode we have ever done. I didn't say the F-bomb a lot. No, you did, but only in quotes. Uh, No, I've been, I'm like, now that she's not swearing, I'm like, freaking... It's not like I'm swearing off swearing. I'm just trying to be a little mindful about being my best. I put it in my directive affirmation that I always speak about, think about, and write about positive things that make me at my best. 
All right, so let's let's do um, around around the world um, takeaways from this rogue episode of the women your mother warned you about. Let's start with Keith. Keith, what's your what's your biggest learning and takeaway from this? Well, uh, just the power of coaching. I you know I I don't focus a lot on coaching in my business. I do mentoring, like I said, but there is a very powerful aspect of coaching if done well. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, in talking about it with Rachel and listening to how she uses her coaches, I think it's, it's very powerful. Mm-hmm. Rachel, My takeaway would be about leadership and that one of the most challenging parts of leadership is to make decisions that, are going to be most beneficial for the organization overall. And sometimes that might hurt people's feelings. Mm. And that's their problem, not mine. Exactly. Yeah, they get to own their own feelings, don't they? Especially if I'm doing it in a place of constructive feedback. I'm torn between... You know, I might, I might, I might give this one to you, Rachel. Oh, did Rachel say it or no? No, maybe, maybe, maybe Keith said it. I think Keith said it. I don't know. One of you said it. It's based on the Wooten on leadership. Be the be- very best you can be and do it with character. Yeah. Highly recommend the book. Yeah, it's so it's good. A classic. It is so so I good. I have to go get it since it's not audible, and I'm going to have to learn how to read again. So yeah, it's 100 <laughs> percent fire. I I also like the um, a natural player is not necessarily the best coach. Yeah, that that was a that was a good one. I like that. Uh, Gina, you're from Chicago, right? Yeah. Michael Jordan probably would not have been a great coach. Did you did you watch that series? Yeah, the last, the last dance? dance. Oh, I love it. So good. It was a great series. I yeah. um, David got me into it. So good. There's one more. I I've got to watch the last episode. But he's like, you should be into this. You're from Chicago, and oh, yeah. I, I was amazed by it because, you know, I was there and I was at a lot of those games in the late '90s. And um, actually, <laughs> the things I could tell you about Michael Jordan hanging out at bars that I was hanging out at. Mm, that's a whole nother story behind the scenes that they did not cover. Um, it was really interesting to me. To I was like, wow. Like some of the moves, not just on, on Jordan's part, but on Pippin's part, on, yeah. on some of the behaviors. Like you, you, you want to call yourselves leaders within that team and the way they let their team down. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's interesting. So interesting. Yeah, if you if you guys if, if our listeners have not watched the Last Dance, you don't have to be in the into basketball. Like take the lessons, the leadership lessons that come out of that. It was am- it was amazing to me, and it's also spectacular basketball. So it's fun it, to watch. It is it's like incredible. And then and just Phil Jackson, like all the things about Phil Jackson. Now his book is really good too. Which one is his? Nine Rings, I believe it's called. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very good. And same thing about how he led that team. Um, and, you know, sports are such a great analogy for mm-hmm. for every organization because it's sometimes not as tangible when it's a sales type of thing of like, what is the goal? I mean, in a sports situation, the goal is win. <laughs> and so you have a very 
specific direction you're going. And with sales, it's sometimes like which client is going to be the big win and which wins are big wins, you know, so it's a little bit different. But the styles that uh, Phil Jackson and wouldn't use in terms of leadership of their teams are useful in any yeah. scenario. Yeah, super cool. All right, well, this has been fun having the gang back together. Absolutely. Let's keep the gang together. Let's do more of these with you, Keith. Let's do it. You guys are working so hard. We Let's are, find time Keith. to squeeze it in. We are, Keith. We're going to get better. I know that Ian's on me right now on the rest of our recording schedule, which I'm going to work on this weekend. Um, and we had to push out a lot of episodes for Outbound. So we Here will, we are again. We will I probably will be schedule. over my quitting swearing by the next time we get together. So we'll just be able to get into stay crazy subjects again. Stay intentional. Fuck no. God. <laughs> It's okay. Side note before we go. So I was on this trip to Northern PA with the boyfriend and his son. And he's so, I mean this in the nicest way, so geeky about our show because he loves our show, truly. And he made me listen to like three episodes in the car. I'm like, do I really need to listen to our show? That's more than I've listened to all year. <laughs> so we plays the episode. I'm like, oh, you got to listen to the episode about customer service because I was so geeked up about the um, 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 the computer place that screwed me and and the Jiffy Lube story. And so Nian like picked out the opening, the cold open. It was like, you got to be fucking good at service. I'm like, oh my god, that's how it started in the car. <laughs> With a 14-year-old in the back seat, and I literally He's turned 12 it. shades of red, and I'm like, sorry, bud. Sorry for that. Yeah, it's better than the exploding penis episode. That probably would have oh, traumatized a 14-year-old no, no, a little no, more. listen. He played it for him. Wait a second. Oh. No, he, he didn't just play it for his son. He played it for everybody at the 4th of July party. He kept saying, you got to hear this, and I'm like, stop it. The exploding penis yes, episode. Oh my god, that's a oh, good that's one. Though. But it's a good that one. It's a good one. <laughs> it's a good one. It was topic of conversation. Yeah. With... I believe that's episode number forty-three, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. It's actually episode number thirty-five. I know it well oh, now 35. because sorry, thirty-five. He's pulled it up a few times, but this is how I was introduced to the family. <laughs> I think I brought up the exploding penis, so you to did. your credit, you know. Well, that's how the I'm show the starts: is exploding penises. <laughs> To an audience of people that are were just meeting me. So. Yeah, it's perfect. That'll make them think twice about messing with you. <laughs> he, he still gets a kick out of it. So there you have it. All right. I think I'll keep them. All right. I think we got to go. Yeah. So uh, it's been fun, you guys. Oh, it's been fun. It has been. Let's wrap up this episode of The Women Your Mother Warns You About, sponsored by Sales Gravy. And if you need to be a learner who's an earner, go to salesgravy.university to check out all the courses, including a new one coming up from Rachel Fanatical Sales Fitness. We are super excited about that. I'm Gina Tremarco. You can find out more about me at the Sales Gravy website or Women your mother warns you about.com. I'm Rachel Pitts, and you can find me basically the same places. And <laughs> if you would be so kind to share this episode to with anyone who has questions about coaching or leadership, that'd be helpful so we can spread the love. And Keith. And I'm Keith Walters, and you can find me on LinkedIn or through that Women Your Mother Warns You About website. Mm. Awesome. We're out of here. Bye, guys. Bye, Warner.
this really will get serious soon. Yeah, I don't. It, it doesn't have to. I don't think anybody wants it to be serious. 